0: that in the book of Nehemiah, what is happening is God is restoring uh, the city that had been conquered, Jerusalem, and he has called Nehemiah to return to the city uh, as part of a group of returning exiles, people who had suffered under the Babylonian army who had come in and taken them far afield uh, in the ancient Near Eastern world, and they're now returning. First, through rebuilding the temple, and then in the book of Nehemiah, it's been a lot of rebuilding the walls around the city. Not only for protection, but in a sense, restoring the honor and uh, the good of the city, so they can function properly. And uh, throughout this process, Nehemiah has been trying to do business with the tension between people who have been spread across the world, and then they've come back, and their lives have been spun around itself, God's law, has functioned as this kind of touching stone, a type of moral compass for the people to try to figure out, whoa, we are totally lost in the world, we've been uh, exiled, and now we're returning. How can we now orient our lives? And Nehemiah is trying to uh, lead them in following God's law to give them a sense of direction. And in this morning's passage, we're in the last chapter of Nehemiah, still wrestling a bit with that compass. Uh, They're still wrestling against the pull of everyday lives as they have known it and what God has called them to do and who he's called them to be. Now, that tension, friends, even though the story of Nehemiah and the city of Jerusalem and these walls may be very distant to you this morning, my guess is the tension for you to just kind of go along and get along. Let's take a look at attention as it plays out with rest and Sabbath in Nehemiah chapter 13. I'm going to read starting at verse 15 down through 22. In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine. to Jerusalem on the Sabbath day and I warned them on the day when they sold food. Syrians also who lived in the city brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. In Jerusalem itself, then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, profaning the Sabbath day. Did not your fathers act in this way? Did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you're bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave orders. They should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, Commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O oh my God. And That are present between the world pressing in on your people, and they're wrestling with your call to faithfulness. That as we see those tensions play out in Nehemiah's day, that you will work by the power of your Spirit to teach us that we may learn, to encourage us that we may be faithful. That in the face of our own tensions. Gracias. That's being sung. Uh, Sometimes when the cover is done by a professional and it's done in a different style, like someone who can really sing, you're like, oh, okay. Like, ah, that's just a different take on the song. Doesn't bother me as much. The more you move down toward the karaoke end of covering songs, the more painful to my own ears it can become. Particularly if that original song has meaning to you. Uh, Bill Withers has been uh, effectively a soundtrack to the ups and downs of my own life. And so to hear someone try to cover Bill Withers and do damage to it, oh, it hurts. Uh, I try to smile. Uh, I try to understand the spirit of what's going on. But sometimes those covers just don't do justice to the original. And when we think about a Sabbath and rest, one of the things that you have to understand is that any effort to rest in your life, to, to mark a rhythm of work, and worship, in a sense, you are covering God's work in creation. That's the original greatness. So that if you go all the way back to Genesis 1 later after the service and then read just the opening of chapter 2, God, when he created the world, uh, day and night through six days labored and in a very orderly and structured way created the world that we live in. And then after that six days of work of creation, Genesis chapter 2 in the opening verses, it's very clear that God saw that his work was good and that he ceased working and that he rested. And that on that seventh day, God rested. And that became what Sabbath is, linking to the seventh day, the sense of rest, a break from the pattern God didn't rest because he was exhausted. God rested because that was just the pattern that he was setting. And so throughout the rest of the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, this pattern where God commands his people in the fourth commandment and in other spots throughout his law to rest, to honor the Sabbath, to worship together, that that pattern is always covering God's original pattern. And, and we find out later in the New Testament that it's looking ahead uh, to our ultimate Do I just work to try to grind down my to-do list as best I can? Am am I one of those inbox zero people who will labor every day to try to get to zero if I can? And it never works because people keep replying or new stuff keeps showing up. But I just have to try. And I'm just going to try and try and try every day, no breaks. That when the pattern for humanity that god has given us you weren't designed to live that way and i just want you to hear that because that has to be the starting point to understand at all what's going on in nehemiah chapter 13 so nehemiah has gone away for a while he rebuilt the wall remember back in chapter 8 they finished the wall he's gone away he's returning and as he comes back through uh, judah to jerusalem what he sees is basically people are just laboring doesn't look any different. There's nothing that sets it aside. It's certainly not marked by rest. There's a whole lot of activity going on, right? And remember the pattern here is not so much that one little rule was being broken. That's not what Nehemiah sees when he shows up in chapter 13. What he sees is some terrible karaoke covering of God's pattern of rest. For Nehemiah, to the extent that people's lives that that was an outward signal of how serious they were taking their faith and worship it's not that there's always a direct correlation but there is some connection there and so nehemiah's deeper concern is like wait if these people aren't ceasing uh, if they never rest there's a disconnect they aren't familiar with the original pattern what we're dropping into in verse 15. So as soon as it began to grow dark, sorry, that's verse 19. Let me go back to 15. Okay, follow me at 15. So in those days, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath, right? Making wine, Uh, trading, right? Like keeping the economy going. That's what's happening here. Uh, Making money, making ends meet, uh, laboring. So they were uh, treading wine presses on the Sabbath. They were bringing in. Selling both with people who were Jewish and people not to so the people of God, but also people who are coming into Jerusalem now. They were excited. The walls were up, it was a bit safer. Now they can come in. Let's trade. We'll bring all our goods into the city. Let's make trades happen. And uh, everyone is participating in this. Uh, and so when Nehemiah sees this in verse 17, he confronts the nobles of Judah and says to them, What is the evil thing that you're doing? connection to what got them there in the first place. So, If you're not familiar with the story of the road to redemption, you have creation, what we talked about, Genesis 1 and 2. You have the exodus where uh, God brought his people out of Egypt and out of slavery to the promised land. And once in the promised land, there's often these ups of faithfulness and these downs of disobedience. And when those downs there would be consequences for that disobedience, for that idolatry, for that failure to heed what God had commanded them to do. And so what Nehemiah is saying is he's pointing back a bit on their own historical timeline, on their own family story, and he's saying, don't you remember? This is what got us exiled in the first place. And now we're back. Now we have the temple back up. Now we got the walls rebuilt, and at the jump, That's the question that Nehemiah asked. That's the dynamic of what's happening here. And I hope you're getting a sense, right? That this is not so much about uh, breaking one single rule and Nehemiah just has a pet peeve about this whole Sabbath thing. That's not what's happening here. I think what's happening is that Sabbath and uh, uh, marriage and giving of financial resources and as we need. state corporately speaking so those three things become like the blood glucose the blood pressure and the height and weight for for the moral state of the people of god right like in in a sense he's picking up these three items not because there's something uh uh, dynamically special about them but because they're some of the most outwardly visible ways to how serious the people are taking their faith and how serious they're taking what god has called them to do and so he reminds them this is a to take steps right so like this is interesting thing so nehemiah is like all right, i'm gonna take this into my own hands so he basically orders as the the kind of governor of the area let's close the gates at night let's keep all these traders out and uh then he posts his own people at those gates he's like hey don't let anybody in here to trade we're gonna start doing a better cover of god's pattern of rest and i'm gonna try to help like this is Nehemiah to try to help the people come in line with what god had commanded them when it comes to rest he's like all right i'm gonna try to help y'all out and it's very subtle here but the sense that you get is that you can't force obedience and faithfulness on people's hearts and nehemiah finds that out right so he goes and he tells people shut the gates don't let the traitors in so the traitors you have to kind of imagine what's happening here so they travel in closed because nehemiah's men are like hey you can't come in here they're like okay well i guess we'll just camp out here but apparently they didn't stop while nehemiah told the the, his men to not let traders come in he didn't stop people from moving in and out of the gates and subtly what it seems happening is once the people camp outside the walls people inside the walls are like oh we just have to go outside to trade on the sabbath day no problem Quick second, right? They go outside, they do their trading, they come back in. This exacerbates Nehemiah to the point where he effectively threatens physical violence. And almost in a, a wry, uh, I'm not positive that this is intended to be humor, but it's like they didn't come back and trade outside the gates anymore. Uh, right? Like, and, and that's the conclusion. And so Nehemiah is kind of doing the challenging dance in, in that he is. Really The purpose of rest is to follow God's example in creation. God made the world. He rested. He designated a break to be taken by humanity, but especially by the people of God. That we should uh, work up to six days, but then take a day. And that day should be marked by rest and by worship. It should be marked by a break from the norms of how the rest of your week looks like. worship worship as a family worship as a community and it's designed for people to get together but you can't force it on others right there's limits to what you can do to force faithfulness on other people and oftentimes it doesn't work out if you've ever seen uh um well i don't want to be too contentious here but if you've ever seen people try to regulate behavior whether it's governments or whether it's offices you will be surprised at how ingenious people are at figuring out ways of regulations, geniuses. And so Nehemiah is figuring that out. Morality is not any different than uh, financial tax law or office hours and and how they should be done. It's not any different, right? Uh, uh, People will always try to find a way. And that's part of the, the, the barriers that each of us with these obvious barriers that are in our lives that keep us from doing a good cover of rest, that keep us from resting. One of the first barriers is the fact that we all have, not all, most everyone, has smartphones and laptops and tablets and access to the internet. So your work can find you. That, that, that's going to be an inherent barrier to resting when anyone can reach out and ping you for that thing that's due this emergency that they've run into and they need your help. And and so it becomes just this natural barrier to getting sucked in. To saying, yeah, yeah, I know I'm supposed to rest, but there's really important things happening at work. Right? So uh, it's not that um, technology just becomes a way of accessing our work almost all the time. And so we have to do business with, okay, if we're going to try, Access to us in ways that help us do that, but it's not just uh, technology, right? It's it's also our own sense of achievement, right? Um, hey, I want to be a top performer in school, or I want to be a top performer in my workplace. Well, how can I do that? I can uh, work really hard. Uh, how can I work really hard? I can work all the time, and and so if you have this internal drive of achievement. D.C. area, the the barrier for you or the challenge is going to be that's going to push in on you. It's going to say every moment that you take resting, there's going to be a subtle voice in the D.C. culture that's going to say, the fear, they become pressures that push in on us. What kind of hope do we have in the face of those things? Well, when Jesus arrives, in his life and death and resurrection, he doesn't set aside this idea of rest. When Jesus comes, he doesn't say, hey, now that I'm resurrected, let's go at this thing seven days a week, 365 days a year this picture of where we are headed there are some discontinuities from sabbath law to the lord's day rest throughout the history of the church and if you want to talk about that you should text in your questions i'll be delighted to pick that up i'm not going to address that right this second but we got q a time coming up in just a little bit glad to engage in sabbath or lord's day discontinuities uh that's for people who never mind i'm gonna keep going all right so Those barriers, and I've come to bring you rest. And what he means by that is not a ceasing from all work. What he means is a dealing with those sources of your achieverism. Because if you understand what it means, the, I, I want to say this part first. If you understand the connection between your ability or inability to actually stop working, it's rooted in something going on in your spiritual life. That's the first thing I would ask you to buy. If you don't buy that, Pragmatic, but if you can understand that how you choose to live day in and day out, when it comes to rest, is a reflection of how, in your own soul and working through your own faith, you think about the world and whether you can trust God or not, then that's a key starting point to understanding how Jesus meets you in the midst of those pressures. Because when those pressures of achievement push in on you, other people are going to get ahead. That I have been adopted as a child of God through faith, and, and that because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that means something to me. What if this really impacts me? Jesus meets you there and says, Hey, I am your source of peace and hope. I will provide for you. And Jesus does that, not only spiritually by pouring out his spirit into your lives to help convict you of sin and to encourage your hearts, to help live peaceably and produce the fruit of the spirit, but moreover through a community of faith. If there are people in our community who say, is a real thing. They say, I've got to work seven days a week because it's the only way I can survive. You know what that means when you're part of a community of faith? It means the community of faith should so know you that they understand that's what's going on and then they can look proactively for ways to help make ends meet so that you can rest. So that uh, a physical or financial need doesn't keep you from following the pattern that God has set up. That's what a community is for. That's what a family is for. That's what a more to this world than just what you're measuring by. That God is active and that Christ's resurrection is real and that means that the new heavens and the new earth are coming. older gentleman, and uh, he uh, it struck me as I'm, you know, I'm just kind of running along, right? And I see him like a quarter mile down the path, and he, every person he passes, and it, it was a busy day on the path because the weather's nice, he waves like this, and so he's like walking, and someone's coming, and he goes, and he went through the crosswalk, and two cars stopped, and he waved at both people, right? And then every person that passed, he waved. And it started to generate this excitement, like, he's going to wave at me like that. I just have to get a little further down the path. And sure enough, I get further down the path. Guess what he does? He waves. He gives me this huge smile. And I, I'm running along. I'm listening to music, and I think, man, that guy is thankful to be alive, right? Like, that's the message he's sending. And it made this connection for me that, that was both simple and profound, right? The new heavens and new earth is on the horizon. There is more than the day in and day out drudgery of life. There is more. And whether you are young or old, part of why we show up for worship is to get that happy wave from one another and remind each other, this is where we're headed so thankful that uh, the yoke that you invite us into is one that is not burdensome because of what you've accomplished in your life, death, and resurrection. Oh, Lord Jesus, please meet us. Please particularly meet those who are small business owners or who are trying to make ends meet, and so it is a struggle to even think about taking a day off.